we back. We back at it again. We back at it again. I missed you girls. <sighs> missed you guys. What's new? What's happening? Not much in the quarantine, you know. Mm-hmm. Lots of work. Yeah, not much. Lots of staring at myself in these mirrors. Gorgeous. A gorgeous sight, though. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The, the highlight of my week has been a, a foot mask. Ooh, so. Did you get a lot off? Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. I love the peel. <laughs> I love to peel. Sorry for anyone who hates it, but I love drop it. The, uh, drop the brand name. So anyone who's interested in using a foot mask that two days later, the skin on your foot starts to peel off, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the mask to get. I use the Tony Moly Foot Magic. There we go. A lot of people like baby foot, but it's a lot pricier, and it, it does the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah. So I go with Tony Moly, Foot Magic. Nice. Magic okay. Foot. Magic Foot. Good to know. Uh, magic. I'll write that down. I love it. Sponsor us. Sponsor God, right? us. Tony Moly, please help. That would be nice. <laughs> That'd be so nice. I love all of their stuff, so I wouldn't be mad. It's all so True. cute. Mm-hmm. It always smells nice. Yeah. I can't be mad My at Tony My feet could Moly. use some loving. Same, same. That's just the truth. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, I say we get into it because we're the Golden Goals. Alyssa. Kylie. Emily. And it's time to get spooky. So excited for today's episode. It's another ghoul talk, friends. Wow. Mm-hmm. We're doing it big and we're doing it. Golden. Bad. And by bad, I mean badass, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll kick it off a, with a recording. I'll kick it off with a little short one. So we've got a few short ones and then a very interesting recording. So, so I'm very excited for this episode. Yes. So this comes from our friend Kimberly. And she says, hi, ladies. I just listened to the most recent Ghoul Talk. Thanks for acknowledging World Health Day. I'm an x-ray tech. Kimberly, you're a rock star. We've said it before and we'll say it again. (laughs) She says, I wish I had a personal story to share. I think I'm too eager and the ghosts just stay away from me. So I will have to just share a short story that was told to me. A fellow tech recently performed a CT scan on a patient. The patient was fully awake and alert for the scan. Afterward, the patient told my friend, I don't mean to alarm you, but there was a little girl sitting on the end of the exam table During the entire exam. Obviously, there were no children present. Eek! Have a great day, ladies. Kimberly. No. Dang. What? Who was she? Yeah. You know? A spooky I wonder. What a place to hang out. I know, right? She just likes to watch people get their their stuff done. You know? Surgeries. You know? Yeah. Maybe Maybe it's comforting to her. I don't know. Or maybe she's just a voyeur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she loves a scan. Yeah. Who doesn't love a scan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's next? I have one. <clears throat> she's a, uh, she is Leah and she's also a nurse. 
Woo! And she says, thank you so much for acknowledging healthcare workers in your recent podcast. I'm a nurse in an ICU in Minnesota. What up, Leah? Dude, you're the best. Thanks again. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Means a lot. Thank you. She says, not a super exciting or detailed ghost story, but when I was a newer nurse, I sometimes had to float to the smaller hospital in my town. I love that you say float. Reminds me of a ghost. Super tight. (laughs) One of the units was the palliative care in-hospital hospice unit. Am I saying that right? My mom always said palliative care, but okay. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, in in hospital hospice unit, a unit where people tend to die often. One night, a man died, and shortly after his death, the staff toilet and toilet in his room kept continuously flushing. We couldn't get them to stop. What? The patient's nurse was trying to get a hold of his daughter to let her know her father had passed away. But because it was the middle of the night, we didn't have any success for about two or three hours. During that entire time, the toilets kept flushing. The daughter <laughs> called back early in the morning and heard the news her dad of her dad's death. As we were telling her, every toilet on the unit, nine or ten toilets total, all flushed at once. As she acknowledged the news, she told us her dad was quite the trickster, so we should anticipate lots of toilets flushing on their own. It was crazy and super spooky. Love you, ladies. Thanks for the entertainment during all this, Leah. Wow. Imagine. (laughs) He's tricky. Little trickster with the toilets. I love that. That'd be like, can you stop? This is a very expensive trick. That is this a waste. This water bill is right. insane. Right. But. The heart wants what it wants, though. He's got to do what he's got to do. You know? Truth. Exactly. Truth. No shame in the game. Exactly. So I've, uh, I've got one more short story for us. This is a special one. This is from uh, someone by the name of Dark Angel. Wow, wow. Awesome. That's an awesome name. Right? Hey, my best friends. I'm a spiritual guide and can now help spirits cross over. My first experience with one was when I was a child. I was about eight or nine years when one night I awoke needing to go to the bathroom. My older sister was asleep, so as to not wake her, I crawled quietly to the bedroom door. Once I made it to the hall, I saw a spirit that looked like it had no hands, no arms, and no feet. She was just floating slightly with a smile on her face. She seemed to be in a late 1800s wedding gown. Then she slowly turned her head, looking at me. So I ran back to my bed, holding my bladder until the morning when I was safe. I never saw her again. I did not tell anyone about this for a long time for fear that they think I was insane. I've now accepted my gift and helped spirits cross over when I can. I hope you enjoyed my story, Dark Angel. That's when that's when Dark Angel knew. Sometimes you just know when you see the 1800s ghost in the wedding gown. Totally. Without the feet, without With the hands. No hands, like no feet. Clear as day. Yeah. I don't want to see that. 
but <laughs> someone had to. So thank you yeah. for taking this one for the team, Dark Angel. Much appreciated. Yeah. And thank you for sharing. Yes. All right. Those were fun and short. And now for the big recording. Hope you guys are ready for this. I'm ready. This is from our friend, Kayla. Mm-hmm. And it's truly terrifying. Get ready. Yeah. Buckle up, kids. Hey, everyone. My name's Christian or Kayla. Uh, currently going through some changes with that. And I'm here today to share my experiences at the Glen Tavern Inn in Santa Paula, California, um, a small town about an hour and 15 minutes northeast of Los Angeles. And I'm going to jump right into it. So almost, well, more than a decade ago, uh, in September of 2009, uh, I had previously gone to a school called Musicians Institute uh, for musicians, obviously, in Hollywood. And part of the perks of going to the school was that you were added to a list for when, like, say, a big touring act needed a, you know, a guitar player or a drummer or whatever. You get an email and you were exclusively invited to audition for that. That was one of the perks of going to school. So one day I got an email that a pop punk band called From Jupiter uh, was looking for a drummer. And, you know, I did an audition tape. I sent it off. And shortly, like a couple hours after I sent it off, I, I had an interview with the management. And that was my first time I went up to the hotel. So I drove up to the hotel and I met with Monica, who was the manager for the band. She also owned the independent label called Third Eye Records. And also her family owned the hotel. Um, And her and her sister, Aisha, lived there. And I'll probably give a little more details than needed in some places just because they're interesting. But so anywho, the first time I meet Monica, you know, it seemed like everything was going right. And during the interview and it seemed like I was going to work out as a fit. And she said, "Okay, so here's the deal. When the band's not out playing shows on the road, we all live here in the hotel and you would get your own room and you would live here, too. But I need to tell you that the hotel is is haunted. I don't know if you look that up or not. And I said, I didn't look it up, but I can tell just right now by being here that this place had to be haunted. You know, she was like, yeah, it has a vibe. And I was like, yes, it had a vibe. And so mind you at this point in my life, well, it was a really dark period in my life. And the whole previous year I had spent a lot of time digging into deeper forms of spirituality. But one of the things I got really into was a lot of rituals by um, a magician named Aleister Crowley. Uh, and I didn't realize at the time I'd been doing a lot of dark magic. I was doing a lot of um, astral projection or, uh, you know, um, trying to make it to an astral plane to meet my spirit guide. I definitely invited a lot of demons into my life. One that's particularly attached itself to me uh, over the years who I'm not going to use by name because I'm not trying to hang out with them tonight. But at that point in my life, just what I'm saying is I was really deep into the paranormal. So I was actually pretty excited to go like live in the hotel. So after that interview, uh, a few days later, I went up to interview with the band and I was sitting on a couch that was against the wall 
And the rest of the band was sitting on a couch directly across from me that had its back to the whole lobby. So I had a clear view of the whole lobby and I was in the middle of a sentence and I stopped like mouth open and I watched this figure go across the room. Like, you know, my eyes panned right to left and without skipping a beat, the singer JJ goes, Oh, did you just see the cowboy walk across the room? And I was, I was stunned. And I just said, and I nodded. I nodded and said, yes, I did. And he goes, oh yeah, no big deal. People see him all the time. He's, he's not, he's not a problem. I was like, okay. So interview went, went well. They basically told me I was in the band. And then shortly after that, I was informed that, um, there was going to be an episode of MTV teen cribs filmed at the hotel for, for Aisha. Now, Aisha, to my knowledge, is the daughter of some Arabian prince. And she lived in this big, uh, like condo style room that they had on the third floor that had actually previously been renovated the way it was because Houdini had, had, uh, booked the room out year round for himself in the hotel. The hotel over the years had been like a hotspot for, um, celebrities like in the, in the earlier years, like through the thirties, forties, fifties kind of thing. And it was, uh, to the best of my knowledge, it was John Wayne, Marilyn Monroe and Houdini all had rooms that they booked year round. Now Aisha had the, basically the biggest room in the whole, um, in the whole hotel. And actually there was a trap door in her ceiling that like the legend was Houdini slept in the top of the trap door because, uh, he was so afraid people were going to come and try and kill him for all his secrets. Um, so anyway, the first night I'm staying there, they put me in this room on the second floor and I'm in my bed and I was really excited because the way it had been pitched to me, was like, we were all going to be on MTV in the morning and, and like the band was part of it. The band never really ended up part of it. What I really think was they were just trying to pitch our songs to the producers, like place our songs in the show, but it, whatever it was, we all had to be there at 7am for this big filming thing. So I'm excited because I'm led to believe I'm going to be on TV and around 1130 midnight, like I was still awake. I was wicked excited. And there's a knock on my door. And then I hear footsteps like running away, like quick footsteps. And I was like, oh God, the guys are going to play pranks on me. Cause it's like my first night here. They all just met me and they know, I know the place is hot. They're going to try and freak me out. Right. There's a knock on my door. 20 minutes later, 25, 30 minutes, whatever it was, another knock on my door. And it kept going on. And sometime like well after midnight, probably one thirty-two in the morning, I said, guys, you're not funny. Like I know the place is haunted. And then like after I heard a knock and then I heard giggling and laughing like, like children and running away. So anyway, I ended up falling asleep. Like nothing really eventful happened after that. And I woke up the next morning. I was really tired because I was up very late and I woke up to JJ and said, Hey dude, like, what was up with that? Why were you guys messing with me all night? That wasn't wasn't cool. We all had to be up at seven. He's like, what are you talking about, dude? It's like, no one was messing with you. Like we all had to be up at 7am to film for MTV. Like everyone went to bed. No one stayed up all night to screw with you. And I was like, okay. And he goes, yeah, dude, we, you know, we told you there's, there's kids that haunt the second floor because during the 1930s, there was a dam in the town that broke and it flooded the whole town. So they evacuated this elementary school into the hotel. 
And uh, at the end of the hall, actually, there was a room that they turned into a morgue. And then they put all the children in the rooms. And the legend is that there was, you know, two kids that were mischievous that liked to play pranks on all the other kids. Uh, and to go even further, JJ had told me this story about but when the family had purchased the hotel, it had previously been a crack den, uh, like abandoned and everything. And they bought it and renovated it. So when they renovated it there, they hired guys to refinish and stain the floors. And one night these guys had put all the stain down and, um, taped everything off so that no one would step on it. And they locked up for the night left and came back the next day. And there was children's bare footprints going up the stairs, but none coming back down. And these guys like thought some kid was in the, was in the hotel. So they go up there looking for this kid and there's still no footprints coming back down, but there's no one on the second floor. And you know, that was like the whole legend about these kids. So we do the whole MTV thing. It was honestly corny and lame. Uh, and nothing came of it for us. And, um, you can actually watch the video of MTV cribs and see exactly what I'm talking about. And same with the adventure, the ghost hunters or ghost adventures or whatever. Um, they're, they're both pretty tame versions of what this hotel was really like. So I leave and go back to Los Angeles. I was kind of jumping back and forth. Like I had a girlfriend in LA. I would go back and stay with her, go back up. Um, and I come back for rehearsals, probably another four or five days later, maybe a week. And I stay in the same room that I stayed in the last time. And the knocking starts around the same time. And this time I let it go on for a little while. And then I, then I yelled at the door again and was like, I know you kids are out there. Leave me alone. You're not going to freak me out all night. Right. And I'm looking at the door when I say it and I turn my head back towards my TV and at the end of my bed, sticking out above the, above the mattress, like from underneath the bed is an arm with, and a little hand waving at me, like a small arm and hand waving at me, like one of these little kids. And I was in a pair, I will never forget this. I was in a pair of baby blue American apparel, whitey tighties. And I got out of that bed in those things. And I stormed down that hallway and I marched over to JJ's room and I banged on his door. And it was probably three o'clock in the morning at this point. I was banging on his door and he opens it. He was clearly sleeping. He goes, dude, what's up? And I was like, the kids are messing with me again. I need to stay on your couch. And he said, Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Just stay on my couch. We'll talk about it in the morning. So I'm on his couch and I was kind of like stirred up at this point. And I'm looking at the Comcast box and the time on the Comcast box changes from 3.32 to 3.33. And exactly when that happens, there's a huge thud on the ceiling above me. And above me actually was another uh, separate apartment that no one was living in at the time. But like to access that apartment, you actually had to go outside and up a flight of stairs. You couldn't get in it from inside the hotel. So eventually I go to bed, totally freaked out. I had already had a lot of, um, things happen at the time, 3.33 AM, like previously in my own life that were really associated with, um, demonic entities. So next morning I wake up, JJ asked me, okay, what the hell happened last night? I tell him everything. 
And he says, oh, okay, well, let's go and check that apartment and see if some kids broke in. Like maybe something like that happened. Uh, Santa Paula is like a, it's a beautiful, quaint little town. And it was settled by New Englanders. So there's like a lot of beautiful Victorian architecture. And it actually kind of doesn't even feel like you're in California. It doesn't have the California vibe there at all. But to my understanding, the town like is not thriving. It's a lot of like immigrants working there, like field workers, like avocado, oranges, strawberry field people. Um, And there's like a decent amount of gang violence. So he was thinking that maybe someone had broken in. It wasn't uncommon for something like that to happen, I guess. So we go up there, nothing. There was like no sign of a break in, nothing weird. And we stop at the closet, like near the door. And he opens the closet and he's like, you said the thud came from directly above you, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's really weird because this closet right here is basically right above where you were sleeping. And we had someone hang themselves in it six months ago. I was like, oh cool. So like, there's a, there's like continuing bad vibe stuff happening around this place. So, um, you know, that ended and I go back to LA back and forth a bunch. Uh, and we rehearsed in the ballroom of this place and you had to walk through this empty restaurant that was, uh, no longer, it was just no longer open. They weren't serving out of the restaurant at all. Um, and I would hate, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go practice drums past dark. And it was because you'd walk through this restaurant and every time I walked through there, there was this guy in a top hat that would just kind of be pacing slowly back and forth. And he would stare at me when I walked through the, you know, the restaurant and the restaurant shut down. So like the lights were never on in there. So, and you had to walk through the restaurant to get to the ballroom. So I actually think it became a problem with them that like, I wouldn't go and play drums because I was like, fuck this. I'm not, uh, I'm not getting attacked by some creepy spirit. Um, so then it went, uh, we, we had this, uh, film crew come in to film a Super Bowl commercial and they rented out the whole entire hotel. Now, I told you about the school being evacuated um, on the, onto the second floor, and they turned a room into a morgue at the end of the hall. Well, the room that was a morgue actually still stays the same color that it used to be painted. It's actually the only room in the whole place that I think they haven't renovated. And it's, well... To my understanding, it's because no one could be in there for a prolonged amount of time. But um, when I personally went in there, it gives you the spins immediately. You get in the room and you just feel like you're spinning and you just want to get out. So yeah, that room stays this puke green color that it's always been. Uh, And then, so during this whole uh, Budweiser commercial... That one person came down in the middle of the night and they're the person in the room on the third floor and the third floor had been a speakeasy brothel during prohibition. And this guy got caught slipping cards into the deck. And so he, he killed the, the blackjack dealer or whatever. And then he killed the lady he had purchased and shoved her in the closet. And that room, if you watch the ghost hunters, ghost adventures, they specifically do like a whole paranormal investigation on that room. Um, and 
the person who was put in that room that night came downstairs to the desk, wouldn't tell anyone what had happened, just that they demanded a new room and they weren't going to stay there. <laughs> and, and also to my understanding, I was told that that room, you don't like, you don't rent it to anyone unless they ask for it or it's the last available option. So all of this had kind of happened in the time period between like September and Christmas. And then we all went home for Christmas and, uh, I came back and actually the band member who I was closest with just didn't come back. He had kind of let me know over the past couple months that like there was a lot of shady dealings in the band, um, like where money was coming from and who was getting money and things like that. Um, also the, the relationship between JJ and Monica was like very Joe exotics husbands like, uh, meaning that like, if you watch the episode of ghost hunters, you can kind of see that there was like a really, there's an odd dynamic between them. You can see it for yourself. Um, so Corm didn't come back and things started to get way darker around that place. I could kind of tell that I had joined something that was on its way out when I thought I was on my way in. And there was one night I basically, I got moved into a smaller room and there was one night I was staying there and I had sleep paralysis very early in the morning. And it was probably the longest period of sleep paralysis I ever had in my life. And I could see the whole room from my bed and I saw this dark woman figure, you know, like long hair. You couldn't tell if she had a face really, but she was just standing there staring at me, just super dark figure. Eventually I came out of the sleep paralysis, uh, not much else to make of that really. But then shortly after that, I had a dream one night and I was in like a like an old motel style thing, you know, where there's like a big common area in the middle and there's a rectangle that goes around it, you know, and there's like a pool in the center and stuff. And in the center of it was a giant thick tree. Um, and it had carved out of it like a concierge desk. And there was a woman standing at the desk and she had a huge scar on her leg, like from knee to hip. And then suddenly a woman burst in with a really distorted mangled face and then I heard an ominous voice tell me, you need to cross the yellow bridge. So I woke up from that. And I was like, okay, what do I make of this now? So I go downstairs and I said, hey, Monica, I want to go on a hike this morning. Where's a good place to go hiking? And she said, oh, well, go up this road and past the college or whatever and park here and you'll see the trail. It has a beautiful waterfall and everything. So I get in my car and it was still pretty early in the morning and I drove up there like I was the only person awake. I drove up there and I couldn't find the trail. So I turned around and I came back. And while I'm coming back, I look to my left and there's a house that has a yellow bridge that goes over a stream. Okay. So I get back to the hotel because I was lost and I said, hey, Monica, I had this this really weird dream last night. And I want to talk to you about it. She's like, Oh, I love these. Like when they happen. Right. And she goes, tell me. So I talked to her about the lady with the scar on her leg and her eyes get wide. And she says, what leg was the scar on? And I, for sake of example, I'm just going to say, right. So 
because I don't really remember anymore. Uh, and I said, oh, okay, the right leg. And she pulls up her skirt and she has a huge scar from her knee to her hip. And she said, I was in a horrible accident years ago and shattered my femur. I had to get the bone replaced. So that was weird. And then a few minutes later, her mom walks in and her mom had just had like a bunch of fillers and Botox injections. So her face was like awful looking to be completely honest. I was like, okay, now we have the distorted woman. And then after that happened, I turned to Monica. I said, Hey, when I was going looking for that hiking trail, I passed this house that had a yellow bridge. Do you know anything about that? And she goes, that's weird. Those are the people who used to own the restaurant. And immediately I know that crossing the yellow bridge meant you need to leave the hotel. And it had been explained to me previously before that like the hotel has its own personality and it chooses who it wants to keep and who it wants to get rid of. Like I had heard a story that like the hotel had killed a couple like quote unquote. Um, so, and you know, there was the guy who'd hanged himself up there. So there's like this weird ominous, like the hotel has a mind of its own and it either wants you or doesn't want you. And what I gathered was the hotel was telling me, get out of here. I don't want you. Okay. So anyway, at this point, Tom, the guitar player in the band had woken up and I recruited him to go on my hike. So we go on the hike to the waterfall and it was actually one of the worst hikes I've ever been on. Just bad vibe central. You know, this was at the point you could already tell the band was like going to end. Um, and it took a long time. We got to the waterfall and we came back. But when we got back, we ended up going over to Dusty and Adam's apartment who these were two friends of the band who moved there from Vermont just to work in the hotel and like live in California kind of thing. And we're up there drinking beers and all of a sudden Adam walks in the room with a Swiss army knife and he cuts his wrists open in front of all of us screaming and crying. And I just got up. I went to my room. I packed all my things and I left. And the only other time I ever came back was to get my drums. And yeah, that's my, that's my history at the Glen Tavern Inn. It's a, it's a dark place. It definitely has a mind of its own and the episode of ghost hunters does not do the place any justice is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals anxiety running high given current world circumstances better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist sessions are conducted entirely online and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Visit trybetterhelp.com slash golden ghouls. That's trybetterhelp and join the over half a million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Listeners get 10% off your first month. That's trybetterhelp.com slash golden ghouls. Wow, that is one of the wildest stories I'm I've heard. Shuck right now, mouth wide open. Emily's face at Shocked. the end of that story was truly mouth agape. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is he? Is everything okay? 
I think so. I need they to know. Don't want to go back there. I know that that much is true. I need to know what happened to the person who slit their wrist. I do. That's like my main concern mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. End of the story. I think, I think they're. Was, I oh. think he's okay. Okay. But it makes me curious to see the um, the Ghost Hunters episode. I would like because, to. I'm definitely going to watch that one because I want to yeah. see that relationship he was talking exactly. about. Exactly. They were talking about, you know? I was like, I don't know. I don't know the Eric, the exotic, Eric, exotic Joe. I called him Eric. <laughs> I called him exotic <laughs> Joe Eric. <laughs> Who is he? Exotic Joe relationship. I need to see that between yeah. the husband and the wife. It's true. What's interesting is that Kayla was saying at the beginning how, um, you know, they had an interest in dark magic and, you know, they mentioned the magician and, you know, astral projecting and whatnot. And I know um, from knowing them that they, you know, had basically spent a lot of time and effort trying to open themselves up to, um, you know, entities and spirits. So I think that they were... Possibly, I mean, maybe knowingly, but unknowingly a medium at this, at this inn. And that's why they were receiving all of this, this energy. And it's, it's wild because it makes you think like you need to be careful when, you know, you're opening yourself up to those energies because it's not just positive energies you're going to receive. It's everything. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that they are a medium. And this is just another case of like why I'm always like you need to be really careful when you're opening yourself up to these kinds of things because you just don't know what is going to come to you. That's why every time I go somewhere that I know to be haunted, all of my medium friends are like protect yourself at all costs. Mm -hmm. Guys, remind yeah. me, did did they say in the beginning that they opened themselves up? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. It, in okay. so many words. I mean, okay. they were saying how they, you know, were practicing. Um, oh, right, right, Experimenting right. with, you know, dark magic. And they were very much into the magician. Um, yes. I'm blanking on the name right now, but. So they were, you know. Yes. Studying, right. basically. <laughs> then that does make yeah. sense. You know, because yeah. that's that's when that stuff happens. Mm. You know, they're they're like ready to cling on to the mm-hmm. ones that are sticking out their hands. Yeah, welcome to yeah. it. Yeah, right. Soups spook. I am. I'm ready to watch that MTV Cribs episode and Ghost Hunters. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. Right. Oh that's, yes. That's. For anyone who found this story riveting, that should this this should be our homework. We should go watch the MTV Cribs edition and then also the Ghost Hunters. And then we'll circle back. We'll have a discussion in the Facebook group, what we think. Hell <laughs> yes. Great. And I'm sure Kayla I- would be open to any questions or comments about the inn or their stay there or, you know, anything that, that y'all think of amazing story i love i love it and y'all don't forget that you can always send us recordings like that if you have a long story and you're like i don't want to type it up because i'm going to forget something send us a recording we would love it it. 
Yeah. It also mm-hmm. saves us from having to read and stumble over your words. <laughs> yeah, we'd hard. rather it be presented professionally rather than by us. <laughs> we can't bring the emotion that you felt. We, we were there. <laughs> Speaking of questions, though, for Kayla, also our Q&A episode is going to be next week. So if y'all have any questions for us, Shoot us an email, comment on our Instagram, ask them in the Facebook group, whatever it may be. Slip into the DMs. Slip inside, honey. And also, send us your stories at thegoldenghoulspodcast at gmail.com. Woo! Yay. Woo! Yay. This was fun and spooky. Super spooky. Thanks for the stories, everyone. Thanks, y'all. We love ya. Until next time. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Ooh. Ooh.